Exodus 22. If a man steals an ox or a sheep and kills it or sells it, he shall pay five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. If the thief is found breaking in and is struck so that he dies, there shall be no guilt of bloodshed for him. If the sun has risen on him, he is guilty of bloodshed. He shall make restitution. If he has nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft. If the stolen property is found in his hand alive, whether it is ox, donkey or sheep, he shall pay double. If a man causes a field or vineyard to be eaten by letting his animal loose, and it grazes in another man's field, he shall make restitution from the best of his own field, and from the best of his own vineyard. If a fire breaks out and catches in thorns, so that the shocks of grain, or the standing grain, or the field are consumed, he who kindled the fire shall surely make restitution. If a man delivers to his neighbour money or stuff to keep and it is stolen out of the man's house, if the thief is found, he shall pay double. If the thief isn't found, then the master of the house shall come near to God to find out whether or not he has put his hand on the neighbour's goods. For every matter of trespass, whether it is for ox, for donkey, for sheep, for clothing or for any kind of lost thing, about which one says, this is mine, the cause of both parties shall come before God. He whom God condemns shall pay double to his neighbour. If a man delivers to his neighbour a donkey, an ox, a sheep or any animal to keep and it dies or is injured or driven away, no man seeing it, the oath of Yahweh shall be between them both. He has not put his hand on his neighbour's good and his owner shall accept it, and he shall not make restitution. But if it is stolen from him, the one who stole shall make restitution to its owner. If it is torn in pieces, let him bring it in for evidence, he shall not make good that which was torn. If a man borrows anything of his neighbours, and it is injured or dies, its owner not being with it, he shall surely make restitution. If its owner is with it, he shall not make it good. If it is a lease thing, it came for its lease. If a man entices a virgin who isn't pledged to be married and lies with her, he shall surely pay a dowry for her to be his wife. If her father utterly refuses to give her to him, he shall pay money according to the dowry of virgins. You shall not allow a sorceress, sorceress to live. Whoever has sex with an animal shall surely be put to death. He who sacrifices to any god except to Yahweh only shall be utterly destroyed. You shall not wrong an alien or oppress him, for you were aliens in the land of Egypt. You shall not take advantage of any widow or fatherless child. If you take advantage of them at all, and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry and my wrath will grow hot, and I will kill you with the sword, and your wives shall be widows and your children fatherless. If you lend money to any of my people with you who is poor, you shall not be to him as a creditor, you shall not charge him interest. If you take your neighbour's garment as collateral, you shall restore it to him before the sun goes down, for that is his only covering, 
It is his garment for his skin. What would he sleep in? It will happen when he cries to me that I will hear, for I am gracious. You shall not blaspheme God, nor curse a ruler of your people. You shall not delay to offer from your harvest and from the outflow of your presses. You shall give the firstborn of your sons to me. You shall do likewise with your cattle and with your sheep. It shall be with its mother seven days. Then on the eighth day, you shall give it to me. You shall be holy men to me. Therefore, you shall not eat any meat that is torn by animals in the field. You shall cast it to the dogs. Boy, there is a lot in this chapter. A lot of things that I would like to talk about, and I can't. <laughs> There's too many. Um, it starts out by saying that if someone steals something, like an ox, they'd have to pay back five times as much. And um, this is interesting because it's establishing very clearly that people are owners of things and that people have a right to be treated properly or people should be treated properly. And, you know, this it seems kind of obvious, but in the ancient world, it wasn't always this obvious. And... Um, but the Bible is outlining, and remember that these are um, civil and criminal laws. They're laws for running a country. And um, it's teaching people how to get, make things right with each other. You know, like we're going to get to a part in Leviticus where it's going to talk about how to make things right with God by offering sacrifices. But here we're talking about making things right with people. And um, people are not naturally inclined to do this. You might think that they do, but they don't. You need laws to make this happen. And um, I remember I took my kids to the shopping fair and we had to park in a narrow park, which is very close to the cars. And I said to my children in the back seat, don't swing your car doors open. I don't want to bump the car next to us. So one of the children didn't listen and swung their car door open and put a lovely dint in the car next next to us, and which I was not impressed at all, especially considering I had warned them in advance. So I had no choice. I had to write a note and say, I'm very sorry, we've dented your car and this is my number. Please give me a call and we can sort it all out. I left it on their windscreen. I got a text message that night from the owner of that car and it said, thank you so much for being honest. Don't worry about it. I've got so many other dents in my car <laughs> that it's, it doesn't make any difference having one more. Well, you know what? I was really grateful for that, that I didn't have to, in that example, make restitution. They were happy. They were just appreciative of the honesty. But you know, a lot of people, I've actually seen people that have dented another car in the shops and just walked off. <laughs> and this is, it's not natural to people to make restitution. And, and so here we've got the Lord teaching the Israelites that to treat each other uh, in you know, these types of manner, to consider each other. Now, restitution is a spiritual thing too. Sometimes the devil steals from us. And I am almost certain that in your life, there will be things the devil has stolen from you. Well, you need, he's not going to make restitution unless you force him to. And you can do that through prayer. And it says in the Bible, you know, that if someone steals, they have to repay back five times and other places we pay back double. I suggest you get on your knees and you say, Lord, the devil has stolen from me. These things stolen from me. You know, health or it could be, you know, a marriage has gone sour or it could be different things that, that the devil has 
Now, maybe you've contributed to that as well, but the devil will certainly have contributed and you can get on your knees and you can claim it and you can take the devil to the court, take him to the Lord's court and, and get justice. That's something you can do through prayer and through faith. And then we get down here and we notice that there's some circumstances where people um, have lent something to someone and it, something's gone wrong. Like say they lent someone a, uh, or someone's borrowed a, a, you know, maybe you've lent, you've given something to someone for safekeeping and they're doing you a favor by looking after it. And then it, something happens that it gets stolen from their house. And so in your mind, you're thinking, well, how do I know it was them that stole it or whether someone else stole it? So it's, it's disappeared, but you don't know whether it was them or someone else. So they come and they take an oath and they, they, they declare in the name of the Lord God that they didn't do it. And so if they do that, according to this passage, then they don't have to make any restitution, which is fine. Now, do you remember in the Ten Commandments, in the very last chapter, it says, you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. Now, if someone took an oath in God's name and said that they hadn't stolen something, but they had, they would have been using the Lord's name in vain. And the Bible says that God will not hold anyone guiltless who does that. So that's that's the unforgivable sin right there. And, um, you know, people... Um, using God for their own advantage, using his name to get themselves ahead. So it wasn't talking about blasphemy in the way we think. But having said that, right here in this chapter, it says, you shall not blaspheme God or curse the leaders of the people. So even though that wasn't what the Ten Commandments were specifically talking about, here, we still should not use the Lord's name in loose speech. We should not use God's name as a swear word or treat it disrespectfully, but not only the Lord, also leaders, you know, those who are over us. Because um, I guess it seems to me that the Lord sees these as the same thing. You know, when people grumbled against Moses, they were grumbling against the Lord. It's the same thing in God's eyes. And then it says, do not wrong an alien because you yourselves were aliens. And this just goes to show that the Lord is the first person that was against racism. Right back in the Bible, you know, when God made all people, we were all made in his image. He didn't. He doesn't have a preferred race. He didn't choose the children of Israel because he had a favorite. He chose them for a job, not for favorite, not to be favorites. And so here he's now telling them to treat aliens, to treat foreigners the way that you yourselves would like to be treated. And there's uh, two more things I want to mention here. Now, there's, a, there's a, a little command here where it says that if you if someone entices a virgin and lies with her, in other words, he has sex with her. So this is, not, this is before they're married. Um, it says he must pay the dowry and marry her. So the dowry is a sum that you would pay to the father of a girl to marry her. And it, it would be a pricey sum. We've, in the book of Genesis, we notice that Jacob worked for seven years to pay the price for his two wives. Seven for one, seven for the other. And in today's wages, you know, if an average wage is for a full-time adult male is, say, forty to $50,000, you know, we're looking at like $300,000 here for um, a wife, to pay for a wife. Now, that's the type of money we pay for a house. So, you know, 
the 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 dowry was a was a valuable sum of money, and so um, you know there's nowhere in the Old Testament where it very specifically says don't have premarital sex. But when you look at a story like this and a command like this, and says if you sleep with someone, you have to pay the dowry. You realise the huge cost of premarital sex. We're talking a huge sum of money that you have to pay. You're obliged to pay and marry them. But then the very next verse says, but if the father refuses to give the girl, you still have to pay the sum. So think of it as um, the huge cost of having sex outside of marriage and um, whether you get to marry the girl or don't, you've got to pay that sum. And, um, and of course, part of it was protecting the rights of the woman because she she's lost her virginity and she might not be able to get married now because people might not want to marry her. So she needs to be treated properly and she needs to be honoured and considered. And, and so the Bible has these laws that at face value sound kind of tough and barbaric and old-fashioned, but then you realise, no, this is God protecting the woman and making sure she's treated properly and built into it is the, the realization upon all young men that sex is expensive and it needs to be kept for marriage. And so in the New Testament, it, it, it said to us more black and white, and it sounds like God's just making up arbitrary rules, but he's not. It is, it is wrong to have sex outside of marriage, but here in the Old Testament, there's a price put on it. And so we see that... that um, the children of Israel have lots of commands, and we're only up to Exodus chapter 22, and there's lots more to come. But see, the Lord wanted them to be a holy nation. We talked about that in Exodus 20. Holy nation, a nation belonging to God. So they had to be different to all the other nations. There had to be standards. There had to be righteousness. And then the other nations would look upon them and notice that there was something different, and they would realize it was because of their God. So when we do what God asks of us, and we do it with a godly attitude, it sets up a difference that others can observe, and then it speaks to them about who our God is. So are you holy unto God? Are you someone set apart for God? I hope you are. If you're not, it's time to bend the knee and, and, and ask the Lord to help you become holy. Father, thank you for this chapter. There's so many things in it. We didn't even cover them all, and I just pray that the grace that's present um, would be would touch us, would touch our lives and touch our hearts. Help us to be holy to our God. In Jesus' name, amen.